It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Yeah. No, he well, didn't. No, no, he didn't. Somebody said that he had the greatest season as a Cavalier. And that's right. Period. That, that guy. A very well-established but not on a poster host of a certain uh, thing said that <laughs> one time in his life. But we have someone to get to. We have a very special guest joining us now. It's a blast from the past. It is our only, the one, the only fantasy expert we listen to. And that is Dave <laughs> Richard. Dave, long time no see, my man. How you been? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Good, Dave. How's it going? Did you freeze? Did Dave freeze? Yep. Right off top. Yeah, Dave, yeah. Dave froze. Literally said one word. He hated it so much it locked him out and froze. Uh, uh, give him one. No, he's back. Dave's back. We got him. I want to know who. Hello, he hello. Was unfrozen. You're unfrozen. That take was so good, Dave, that it froze our system. <laughs> That's usually how my takes go. Yeah. Dave, it's that time of the year. Everybody's going crazy. Jay Jettis. Uh, You got dread. And things have changed so much since when you first started as a fantasy analyst. And I've known you for, I don't know, 12 years, something like that, whatever. Yeah. Really long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even way before that, like, it used to be everybody kind of played the same way. 20 years ago, you, everybody kind of had the same rules. Maybe you went, maybe you went with a second. Even I don't even think there were second quarterbacks really back then. It was really just PPR and non PPR was the only thing. Now there's so much variety between the you know the two quarterbacks or a super flex, if you will, uh, dynasty, best ball, uh, keeper leagues. It's crazy when you write or you make your rankings and stuff like that. Do you just do one list or do you have to do one for keeper one for dynasty one for two quarterbacks i mean it's very complicated now it used to be like you said in fantasy baseball used to be the crazy one now football is starting to catch up yeah now my primary rankings i've got two sets i've got ppr and non-ppr and they're for redraft leagues so just the upcoming season i i think we need to do more of that and i think there should be more of that i just need to figure out a way to do it more efficiently but there, there is absolutely a growing appetite for change in fantasy football. Uh, I hear about super flex leagues all the time. Dynasty leagues are growing by the year. Uh, I was just in Canton for, for a fantasy football event. And yes, there is such a thing as a fantasy football event. That's right. I was pitched on the idea of a GM league 
where you have to operate as if you are a true GM. There's a salary cap. You have to balance it. There's trades. That has to be fair as well. Just it's it's crazy where fantasy football can gross to still that hasn't necessarily been there yet. But for the majority of the people, at least who play on CBS Bowl, they they play in redraft leagues. They keep it simple. It's a fun way to stay in touch with friends. It's a fun way to compete against coworkers or family. You get the idea. That's still the majority of fantasy right. leagues as we sit here today. Speaking of which, we are doing the second year of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show Fantasy League. You see my trophy there. It's not in front of me right now because I normally sit in that seat. But I am the defending champion. Mickey Mouse Championship. Mickey Mouse Championship. Why is it a Mickey Mouse Championship? Because you won. (laughs) There's my championship. I plan to win it again. Now, in fairness, G. Bush, who's sitting next to me, he really had the best team. He had the best team. But, he, but his team choked in the playoffs Cooper when it Cup, mattered. Cooper Cup gets injured. Cooper Cup's injury hurts you. It hurts yeah. me a lot. But he was gone long before the playoffs, though. And, and, and that, that brings me to it, you know, I think it like this. Like, is there, is there an undervalued position? Before, they, you know, people used to tell you, hey, stay away from tight ends. You can get one in the waiver wire. Um, now you look at it, and, and if you can get one, you know, they can really pay dividends, especially late in the season, or things like, Wide receivers are the new running backs. You know, running backs used to be go off the board. Are there any receivers now hmm. where you would consider just those guys are are completely head and shoulders above the running backs, and you want to take those guys available right now? Well, it depends on your league scoring first and foremost. I think it's been made perfectly clear, certainly over the last couple of seasons, that the NFL uh, is not only throwing at a higher clip than they're used to, but they're spreading the ball around with the exception of receivers that are just dominant at their position. So while guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are on pace for double-digit targets per game, there's a bunch of other receivers that aren't even close to that because they have to share with other wideouts on their team. You go look at the Bucks receivers as an example of that. Still getting a lot of targets for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but not necessarily the same type of amount as you'll see from the elite types of wide receivers. And in PPR leagues, the top 12 of the position outscored running backs from wide receiver to running back. Yeah. Uh, success rate, higher for wide receivers than it is for running backs. Even number two wide receivers versus number two running backs, better for wide receivers. And, of course, you can predict that in a non-PPR league, wait on quarterback, don't take one early. Now I, I, I kind of see the case to be made for Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, to be round two picks. I still wouldn't take them in round one. But in round two, I think you absolutely have to take them. Those are the types of moves that are changing in fantasy. And then the last point I'll make, is that when you get there's going to be a point in your draft and it might be round four where everybody kind of looks the same and, mm. and at that point you have to go with the players who you think in your mind yeah. can break out and be big time this year yeah. and it, it might have to take something completely unforeseen for it to happen like an injury something like that uh and it could also go the other way where that player that you drafted gets injured or takes a step back in production and it kind of hurts your team a little bit but there's going to come a point in draft where you're going to need to figure out a way to differentiate between players that look the same. Mm. I think that's just something that every fantasy manager has to figure out before they go into their drafts. Dave, it's two wide receivers, since we're talking about wide receivers. There's two wide receivers that, you know, kind of didn't have a up, had up and down years. One got hurt. Cooper Cup, is he still considered a first-round pick to you? And where do you see DeAndre Hopkins? You know, I'm trying to plan my attack, you know. Mm. I like it. I like it. Uh, I think the majority of fantasy managers see what Cooper Cup has done in over the last two seasons with Matthew Stafford 
and they will race to it. Uh, there's potentially could be the number one receiver in fantasy. Better points per game than even Justin Jefferson last year when he was on the field. Everybody's going to be a little hesitant because he got hurt last year. He had the hamstring pull in training camp already. I know he's starting to practice again. Stafford's healthy, and this is a different type of Rams team. Their defense isn't going to be as good, so they should be chasing points a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if he led the league in targets this year. Certainly mm. targets per game. Could be as high as 12 targets per game. Wow. I just think that he's going to continue to get open. He's kind of used the same way. Well, actually, it's, it's more like this. Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey are kind of used the same way that Cooper Cup's been used in L.A. That's been the copycat that we've seen from those other teams. And I just see Cooper Cup as, as a clear first-round pick, especially in PPR, maybe, maybe late round one and non-PPR. You asked about DeAndre Hopkins. He's also been on a diet of 10 t- targets per game. I almost said 10 touchdowns. That would make him the number one pick. Mm. 10 targets per game. Uh, in Arizona, he had it. In Houston, he had it. I don't think he gets there in Tennessee. The Titans have really proven over the years that they love Derrick Henry and they want to run the football. That's an example of what I was talking about a few minutes ago. If Derrick Henry were to become ineffective or get hurt, then I think DeAndre Hopkins would go right back to that 10 target per game range. He would be worth a very good pick. But Derrick Henry is half cyborg. He rarely gets hurt, and he's been dominant even in terrible situations around his team. So I don't see DeAndre Hopkins quite getting there. I like him in, in mid to late round four in PPR, maybe closer to round five in non-PPR. Very nervous about the amount of touchdowns Hopkins will score this year. Hey, Dave, we talk about Nick Chubb here as much as I think any player gets talked about in any sure. market around the country. We love Nick Chubb. We okay. think he's unquestionably the best back in the NFL in terms of on the field on Sundays with what actually happens. The ball almost spit up his water. I wasn't sure what he was trying to do there. But when you look at it from a fantasy perspective. I'm out of control. Is Nick Chubb a top two, three running back? I know he's not the same catches as McCaffrey, but he's so damn good. Is, is he not a top two or three running back in fantasy terms? No. Look, don't hang up on me. I'm going to say no. Uh, and it, it really comes down to what I kind of felt like I saw in that first preseason game against the commanders and where I think this offense is going. And that's really more what it's about is the direction of Cleveland's offense. Deshaun Watson looked comfortable. He said after the game, I asked him a question about, I was there. I asked him a question about whether or not he's more comfortable this year. He said he's way more comfortable. And so I would expect this offense to do something it hasn't done yet under Kevin Stefanski. And that's throw the ball close to like 57% of the time. And that's not even going to be, that'll be like league average this year. And I still think that there's room for that to even go up. I think they ride Deshaun Watson a little bit more. And I don't think that necessarily means that that Nick Chubb's going to be completely out of the game plan. I think you can still see three targets per game. He had that on average in 2019, probably a higher target per game average when Kareem Hunt wasn't on the Browns at that time. But I, I do worry about Nick Chubb being exactly as good or better than he was last year. And last year was a career year for him. Over 1,700 total yards, 13 touchdowns. Uh, the guy is an electric running back. I just feel like in this era of fantasy, there are a few running backs that have a higher ceiling than him. And and, and I, that's just what I worry about. Like McCaffrey, I'd rather have him. Eckler, would rather have him. Uh, I've, I've had a chance to see Bijan Robinson in person. I'd rather have him. I think he's going to catch more passes. Where I really get hung up on with Chubb is versus Saquon Barkley in New York, Tony Pollard in Dallas. You could make the case for Chubb over those guys, and that would make him the number four running back in fantasy. I look at him as someone that you're going to take with a with like a top seven pick in non-PPR leagues, because I'm sure about those carries. I think he's going to get the majority, obviously. 
But in PPR, I, I still worry about him getting maybe 35 to 40 over the course of the season, and that's not bad. But you're usually looking for, in round one, a running back to get 60-plus catches over the yeah. course of the season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Dave, you talk about uh, DeAndre Hopkins, doesn't matter who he's playing with. That's the case with some guys, but I, I definitely factor it. Like, I look at Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. With, with Baker as their quarterback, I'm staying away. I, I, don't want, I don't want Kyle Pitts and Drake London because I don't trust their quarterback situation. I don't want Terry McLaurin because I don't trust Washington's situation. How, how big a factor is it for you, the teams that have the bad quarterback situations, especially the wide receivers on those teams? Well, first of all, I do think that, that DeAndre Hopkins does fall into this bucket okay. that you're talking about because he, he's, catch, he's caught passes in the past from, from some pretty bad quarterbacks, but he's also caught passes from Deshaun Watson, yeah. Tyler Murray, and those guys I think are pretty good quarterbacks, especially compared to Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's serviceable. He's probably better than that. I'm probably downgrading. I just think that the offense in Tennessee doesn't tailor itself to helping Deshaun or DeAndre rather having a big year. You can see where my mind's at. I'm still thinking about the Browns. Uh, We are seeing quite a different type of ADP for Mike Evans, just as an example, this year compared to prior years. And you could throw Chris Godwin on that list. You could throw Michael Pittman on that list out in Indianapolis now that they've got a rookie QB there. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you on McLaurin. His ADP is a little bit lower. What if I told you you could get all the receivers that I just named in late round five or later in full PPR, whereas Evans previously was like a round three pick. Godwin yeah, right. was a round three pick. McLaurin last year, I think he was a round four pick. Pittman last year, a round four or a round five pick. Fantasy managers have picked up on this. And I, the, the other thing that I think about, and this is how my mind works, is last year – Nobody wanted a piece of the Seahawks wide receivers because everybody was scared that Geno Smith That's was true. going to be awful. And Geno ended up being great. Lockett was better than Metcalf. Both of them were over 13 PPR points per game. And they helped fantasy managers because they were such great values on draft day. That's true. I'm kind of leaning in that direction in the case of Godwin and Evans. I know that Baker Mayfield isn't a great quarterback, but those guys are going to change their roles a little bit in this offense. And I think Baker can hit him on short area stuff. I think Baker will actually look for Mike Evans inside the 10-yard line, and that'll really help him out. So I'm, I'm with those guys, and I'm with Pitts too, because I saw Kyle Pitts last year getting wide open a ton, and Marcus Mariota couldn't hit him. I've seen Desmond Ritter practice in person this offseason. I'm not going to say that he looks great, but I think he's an upgrade on Marcus Mariota. And okay. so that makes me hopeful that Kyle Pitts, especially at his depressed ADP, he also is getting drafted in late round five. I think he's worth taking a chance on in that range. Uh, Dave, I had uh, Jalen Hurts. I went on a limb and drafted him, and uh, he showed up and showed out. Um, uh, What is his ceiling this year? Is is he, um, between him and Mahomes, the the number one pick? Or what are some other guys who you think um, could be a dual-threat quarterback um, sneakily that can have really good years, kind of like Jalen Hurts did last year? Love this question. I don't know if there's anybody that can have a year quite like Jalen Hurts had 
last year, but I'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about Hurts first. If your league counts four points for passing touchdowns but six points for rushing touchdowns, Hurts is the number one quarterback in fantasy. I think Philadelphia will actually be in more competitive games this year. I don't think they're going to be able to just steamroll their way with the ground game to a bunch of victories, and I think they'll want to flaunt those wide receivers that they have. And Jalen Hurts has looked outstanding in camp for the second year in a row. The secret's out on him. He's turned out to be an amazing quarterback, and he will be great in fantasy. In six point for passing touchdown leagues, only Mahomes is ahead of him. I have Josh Allen one spot behind Jalen Hurts because I expect Jalen Hurts to keep that rushing production going, and that includes touchdowns. Remember, they lo- they gave up on Miles Sanders. He's in Carolina now. And they added DeAndre Swift, who's more of a pass-catching back. I could see Hurts running for more touchdowns this year mm. than he had last year. Mm. And I think he can be a better thrower this year than he was last year. So I'm all about Jalen Hurts. Every time I'm in round three in my drafts and he's there, I take him. It doesn't matter what I need. Uh, I'm never taking really a quarterback in round two. Love Jalen Hurts and love the upside. Who is the next Jalen Hurts? I'm looking at Indianapolis and Anthony Richardson. And this is where I say he's not going to be as good as Jalen Hurts last year. But he might be as good as Jalen Hurts two seasons ago when Hurts was a top 12 fantasy quarterback on a points-per-game basis. We know that Richardson can run. Um, I I, I don't love the interception that he threw in the first preseason game, but I don't think that's on him. I think the receiver ran a bad route. There were two throws that Richardson made. One was a dart. It was like 20 yards to his tight end. He threw it over a linebacker's head. It was accurate. It was amazing. And then he also had a deep bomb to Alec Pierce that Pierce dropped. If Pierce catches that for a touchdown, then the whole world is going to race after Anthony Richardson. But he didn't. And so fantasy managers didn't see him score that touchdown. They didn't hear about it on social media. And they're not as interested in Anthony Richardson. You can get him after 100th overall in fantasy drafts. Mm. I personally would take him before that because he's got so much upside. Mm. And I would pair him with a veteran quarterback who you know you can get like 20 fantasy points from, like Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Geno Smith, I think I would pair him with, and just have two quarterbacks going into the season, one with huge upside in Richardson and one who's got a safe floor like one of the veteran quarterbacks. That's the guy that I would say could be the next Jalen Hurts. It could take a little while, but he's the one that just has that rushing profile, like very few quarterbacks in fantasy. Dave, I got two questions for you. One is because Steve Becker wants to know, what's your thoughts on Elijah Moore? Secondly, out of all of the rookie wide receivers, which one do you trust to have the biggest upside in fantasy this year? In fantasy this year, it's Jordan Addison. I think he can hit over 1,000 yards. I think he could have some touchdowns. You like that, don't you? That's what I said. I, I moved him up in my rankings today. He is a top 30 receiver for me in PPR. Just because he, if he's taking over the spot that Adam Thielen had, Thielen was getting seven targets per game. And, you know, Thielen's a great route runner, but he's not fast. Addison's a great route runner, and he's fast. And he's got good hands. And I think that the Vikings are going to be one of, like, three teams this year that might throw the ball 700 times. I think the Chargers are another team that could do that. And, of course, Kansas City always, Buffalo or or other teams. So more than three teams, I guess. But Jordan Addison is somebody that I'm starting to really get excited about and starting to even reach for a little bit ahead of the Steelers wide receivers, ahead of Hollywood Brown, and, yes, ahead of Mike Evans even. And I like Mike Evans. I like Jordan Addison more in PPR. Uh, The other receiver that you asked me about was Elijah Moore. I love that he lined up in the backfield on the first snap of the Browns preseason. Could, Could the Browns be looking at Elijah Moore as their low-rent version of Debo Samuel. 
Are they trying to create that type of mismatch in their offense with more? This kid was exciting when he came out of college, and his practices in New York as a rookie uh, were drawing all kinds of attention. I had people texting me from New York saying, Elijah Moore is really the best receiver that the Jets have had in years. I made him like my sleeper of the summer, and then he went out and he had a drop and a concussion in his first game. And he never really put it all together. Yeah. But he's getting an opportunity to put it together now. He's got Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. I think that that's a really good thing. I love the idea of going up to get him. Mm-hmm. He's also somebody that I would take before 100th overall in fantasy drafts, which means we're talking round eight, maybe round nine, yeah. in that same range as Sky Moore, in that okay. same range okay. as Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay. Dave, that's where you thank, yeah. thank you, Titus Dave. Titus is going thank crazy. Thank you, Dave. He was doing victory as, laps. As if you just said he was a superstar. Yeah, yeah. Because we had a discussion earlier <laughs> this about guy. who's the – Who's in? Who if they were if a Browns player was lost for the season besides Watson, what would be the biggest loss? He said a lot. We said Miles Garrett, which seemed like the obvious answer, and he said Elijah Moore is the second most important player on the Browns, not from a fantasy standpoint, just from an NFL standpoint. We said he was nuts. Uh let's see. Garrett would be second. Yeah. Chubb might be third. I, I don't even know if he's fourth. I don't no. even know if he's eighth. No, to be honest, with you. he's not even the most the important receiver. Yeah, Let me, Cooper. You know what? Yeah. He's All I'm gonna tell y'all is important. Tom what about Antonio? Hold yeah. on. Yeah, yeah that's true. Out. That's a big loss. Dave, <laughs> I got to get a couple of things, and we'll talk more about this later. Uh, Dave, in a in a super flex league, how many like where would you have to be drafting in the first round before you go away from quarterback and take Justin Jefferson? Ninth. Maybe that kind of, low, huh? That I, Listen, this is just one of my philosophies when it comes to leagues where you can start two quarterbacks. Yeah. You absolutely should start two quarterbacks, and you should certainly do your best to get two very good quarterbacks on your team. I, if I've, if I've, Here, listen, I've got my quarterback rankings right in front of me. Yeah. Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Burrow, Fields, Lamar, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Those yeah. are my first eight picks. I, don't, I, I will take it in, in a super flex. I will take all eight of those guys before Justin Jefferson. Nine is Deshaun. I don't know if I can take Deshaun over Jefferson, and I don't know if I have to because Deshaun might make it back to me in round two. And if he doesn't, then someone like Tua or Dak, Cousins, they'll they'll make it back to me in round two. But in in that type of draft, I try and get two quarterbacks with my first three picks. So you're saying Mahomes number one overall if it's six points for a passing touchdown – Hurts number one overall if it's four points. I mean, it's a coin flip between those two anyway. But no, I mean not if not if rushing is is uh, favored because yeah. Mahomes just doesn't run it as much as Hurts or Allen. Is, are there any guys uh, that you can draft and get a bargain on that you would stash? Maybe an Alvin Kamara, maybe somebody who uh, you know you're thinking about. You're like, ooh, last year I took Deshaun Watson, put him on my bench. And end up being a keeper league, so I have him this year. Is there anybody Mark. that you would, you would kind of stash and just say he may be a rookie or a quarterback might not be up to speed, but like middle of the season, I think he'll come around. We'll put him on my bench. Is a guy that can potentially make a uh, splash. Sure. The the very first name that popped into my head is Roshan Johnson of the Chicago Bears. Loved how he looked in the first preseason game. Saw him practice in June, and. The, the co- even though he wasn't really practicing with the starters in June, coaching staff loved him. 
And I think he's going to get an opportunity to, to beat – he might be the number two running back in that offense week one. He might be the number one running back in this offense by Halloween. He's a really good player. He's a three-down player, very physical. And Chicago certainly would love to have somebody like that, and his efficiency would spike if he's playing the majority of the snaps with Justin Fields. So that was the first name that came to my mind. Here's two more, one at different positions. In L.A. with the Chargers, Quentin Johnston. Mm. Is, is is somebody that I'm starting to target for my benches because I, I think he's already going to see in the neighborhood of four targets per game, and he's got big play potential. And this is an offense I already said they're a candidate to throw 700 times this year. Keenan Allen's over 30 years old. Mike Williams has had a hard time staying healthy. Johnston could replace either of those guys mm. if it came down to it in that offense and work as an every-down receiver. With Justin Herbert as his quarterback, I really like that fit. And long-term, he could end up being the best receiver in this draft. So he's somebody that I'm absolutely looking for in that type of scenario. And then in Buffalo, tight end, Dalton Kincaid, uh, really just started training camp on fire with the Bills. He played five snaps in their first preseason game, didn't have any targets, blocked on three of the plays, chucked a defender to set a pick on another play. I think they're hiding him in plain sight. I think that there's a very real chance that he's the number two target getter in that offense behind mm. Stephon Diggs as soon as this season. Man. Tyvis, you got a quick one. Wrap us up with it. Jameer, Jameer Gibbs for the Lions. Where, where you got him? What is he? Tell me. Depends on the format. If it's PPR, I think he's worth taking late round three, early round four, somewhere in that range. Another young player who could start the year in a part-time role with his offense and then by Halloween be the lead guy because he's so explosive. He's such a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He is an upgrade for them over DeAndre Swift. And Swift was averaging more than 13 PPR points per game last year for Detroit. So I absolutely think that he can be worth that type of investment, a top 40 pick, if you will, in PPR leagues. A little bit lower than that in non-PPR, but still somebody that fantasy managers should be very excited about. Dave, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Thanks. Great seeing you, Bull. Good seeing everybody else, too. All right, Dave. There you go. Dave Thanks, Richard, Dave. fantasy football season is here. Check him out, cbssports.com. He does a great job. Great columns, rankings, all that stuff. Mikey McNuggets. Dave's our favorite. Real quick, and Dave had talked about winning fantasy championships. He helped Bull win his last year. He helped me finish in last, even though that was my fault. <laughs> Not Dave's, but as part of that, we're going to try hooking up Dave with some Browns gear for the upcoming season. And if we're doing that, you know we're going to be using the promo code fanatics.com slash UCSS, buying all our gear with that link to help us help Dave out helps us out in the back end. We appreciate you guys. So what you waiting for? Don't be non-swaggy. Be as swaggy as you can for the Brown season. Fanatics has all your best Browns gear moving forward. And with that, it is the return of Coach Tyvis. Tyvis, before we get into the Ronnie Hickman film, have you missed the Coach Tyvis role? Have you missed doing these kind of things for us in the UCSS audience? Have I missed it? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, I always enjoy being able to educate and teach people things about the game of football. I mean, that's just kind of the person that I am now. So, yeah, I've missed it. Well, we are excited to have you back. We're going to do a lot more Coach Tyvis during the football season. And today, Tyvis, tell us people who we're breaking down. <laughs> we are breaking down a former Buckeye, you know, safety, near and dear to my heart, the position safety. Ronnie Hickman, who had a really big game. Yeah, it was he had two good plays, but he also had a bad play. So I'll talk about those three plays in totality. Yeah, let's get to it. Uh, here's the first one. It was the first interception of the game for Ronnie Hickman just before the half. Tavis, walk us through this. Okay, so they come out. It looks like they in cover three. 
you know, it's your typical cover three. You got your hook droppers underneath. You got your buzz players. You got your corners on the top, and you got Ronnie Hickman, who's playing in the post. And the thing that I like about this is, you know, he's reading the quarterback. He's getting his depth. When you're playing, when you're playing at that post safety, the number one thing you want to do is you have to read the front tip of a, of a quarterback's shoulder. And I'm giving y'all classified information. Y'all make sure y'all tell y'all kids about this, too. If you read the front tip of your quarterback, he tells you where he's going with the ball and the way his shoulder, if his shoulder's up, it's going deep. If it's flat, that means it's something short. If you look at this quarterback, he's it's turned to the middle, it's, it's cocked up like he's throwing it deep, so you know to get back. Roddy Hickman does a great job of getting back there, making a play on the ball, playing center field, and he makes a great play on this ball. Would like him to be a little bit more deeper. I think he got, got caught a little bit looking in that backfield and let people get past him because you got to be the last line of defense, but he was able to come through and make a play on the ball, so it's, it all worked out from there. Give credit, the give credit to the pass rush, too. We have the second angle of this, Tyvis, so we'll play that for the people here, Anthony. You can take that. This is the all-22 version, Tyvis, if you want to walk us through what you're seeing here as well. So you get a great pass rush. Boom. He sees the guy. You see, you see how at the beginning of that clip, he see, they, put that, they put that tight end or that slot receiver. They run him down the middle, and they sit him down. And Ronnie Hickman, does a, he does a job of settling his feet. You can't do that. You see right there, he settles his feet. You cannot do that. They put the cheese in his face to try to throw that post behind him. He has to be disciplined enough to know that that's the hook player's player. He is to get deep, and if he does that, then he won't have to worry about, you know, this running underneath it. He'd be standing there, and it'd be essentially a punt return. But he still makes a good play on the ball and, and gets the interception and gets it down. How much of a chance do we think he has of making the team? Well, after the, after, I mean, bubble, after, after bubble bowling went down, and after making two plays like this, if he finds some value on special teams, he will absolutely make this 53-man roster. Told you. Mm. Hickman. And, uh, uh, by the way, I like the fact that he played it in the center field and he was able to track the football. See, a lot of these DBs be around here looking around like, oh, I took a bad angle at it. I like the fact he got back there, cut the rod off, and, and, and he, he got to work on his return skills. No, he got he got tackled as soon as he yeah, touched he it. Clap, he but the clap. thing, like I said, it's good. It's not great because yeah. the great part of it be he wouldn't have been enticed by that guy sitting down. He would have been in the post. And like I said, if he was where he was supposed to be to begin with, it would have been essentially him catching a punt return and he could have took off and got yards. But he able, he got great makeup speed and he played the ball really well and made a play on it. So that would be the next yeah. step to not bite the cheese. So most teams keep how many corners? Five, six? He's corners? See, please play safety. I, and they keep four. No. Five, <laughs> five corners, four safeties. That's a bad job out of me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how many? Four safeties, right? Five? Four safeties. All right, so we got Delpit, we got Thornhill. McLeod, you have your three locks. Yeah. McLeod, and then, and then you, you got the Anthony Bell. Or him. Or him. What about Tanner McAllister? We don't know him. He's, from, know o- he he's from Ohio State. He's like, he played like nickel. He's a Ohio State guy too. He huh? played nickel at Ohio State. So it's between Hickman and DeAnthony Bell. Yep. Yep. Because I haven't seen Tanner even out there. No, actually, no minutes. With okay. Minimoski. <laughs> so that was the first interception for Ronnie Hickman. Yeah. That was, I'd say, the easier of the two. The second one was a hell of a play on the ball. And yeah. Titus, we have two different mm-hmm. angles of that I play. So if you want to break that down for the people. Let's see that. Anthony, you take the second play, and Tyvis, take it away. (laughs) So this one is a little bit better. They, again, they look like they're in cover three. You could tell. No, they might be in man. They in man on this one. So if they're in man on this one right here, then he's truly at a post safety. And they're in the red zone, so you don't really want to go into the end zone, which he does a great job selling his feet right there. Makes a clean break. 
Well, I would like nice his would like his speed to be a little bit more tighter, but I'm nitpicking on that one. But you can see the break and drive on the ball. He comes straight down, attacks the ball, and rips it from the defender. That right there is stuff that gets you on the 53 man roster right there, making plays on the ball. Because like G like G Bush just said, you yeah. know DBs don't play the ball well. This is a kid here yeah. who knows how to play the ball and, yeah. and knows how to finish. That's the thing. You can get there, but a lot of people don't finish. Then he finishes by snatching the ball out of his hand, rips it away while they on the ground. So, because you know, if you catch the ball with the wide receiver, if y'all simultaneously catch it, it goes to the offense. Right. He does a great job of ripping it from him, taking the ball, so it's clear an uh, interception. He do stuff like this and continue to make plays like this, then this will definitely land him on the fifty-three man roster. What do you mean when you say you want him to be, keep his fight, his feet his tighter? Feet, his feet. So when you look at his back pedal, yeah. his feet kind of gets wide a little bit. Ah, and what okay. happens when you get wide is you step under yourself. But if you keep him close, it's boom, boom. It's a one-two thing. Now don't get me so wrong. You, when you say get under yourself, you mean like kind of lose balance a little bit yeah, like you step in the bucket you know you step right. put your, your weight so back. you're not as a, so when you're able so, to get back so when you're back play. when you're backpedaling you yeah. always want to keep your feet down you want to keep your feet you want to keep your chest down and you want to keep your feet tight so then you break if you lean in forward your body's already forward lean right so you just run out of it and you break on it quicker if your feet is wide and you back when you take your break step your your, your yeah. shoulders go back like this before you go and it's they call it stepping in the bucket so the fact that he didn't have great footwork going back is even more impressive that he was able to get up and make exactly because if you yeah. but I'm just being nitpicky like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying you. to go from good to great right. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that yeah, he's it's not like great. It was a disaster no yeah it's everything just, was, it was know, good it could be tight yeah, but if yeah. he made his feet tighter right. his break would be more smoother maybe he catches in and he runs through right. it and and keeps on running that, this is just goes to show you the difference between practicing and regular games. He's able to run through the football in the game because, you know, he's like, okay, I, I got equipment on. I yeah, got right, right. I'm about to jump this route. So, yeah, you and, can't and, do that in practice. And think about it like this. Now you got to pull off. How right. many, this, to me, I don't know, Tyvis, let me ask you this. this. Is this a, a product of Jim Schwartz's defense? Because last year and a lot of years prior to this, I saw the safeties playing at 900,000 feet. <laughs> they playing on a good year. They playing in the muni lot. They no safety. Jabril Peppers. I think Jabril Peppers is still out. In He's the still out in the muni, muni well, lot. That, waiting was, on that, that was next uh, G-Dub had us playing at 20. What, like, and I used to be at practice when I did that OTAs and we lined up at 20. They uh, they walked us through why they did it, why? and I and I understood why they did it. But I'm like, but if is... you scared, go to church. <laughs> because the way they did it, so G Dub's defense was Greg assist... Williams. Greg Williams, by the way. Greg oh yeah, Williams. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, GW yeah. is Greg Williams. So Greg Williams' defense, by the way, is cover two based. Okay, and the difference between him and everybody else is everybody else pretty much runs cover three as a base. Okay, so you got your linebackers and your down safeties kind of setting the edge. Well, in G Dub's uh, defense, your corners is the guys who keep contained. Yeah. Okay, and obviously in cover three, they're out of there. But in cover two, they're setting that hard edge, so nothing gets past them. And you okay? There, the corners can play aggressively because the safeties are are 20 yards off. So if anything happens, the safety should be right there to be able to erase it. Yeah. Whereas in cover three, you got to stay on top of all your routes. That's kind of what they teach you: stay on top yeah. of the routes. So that's why they slide you off at 20 because if something, if the corner makes some mistakes or sees something wrong and they fire and take off and it's a pass, yeah. you can erase it. That's why they lined us up like that. I, I hated it, but that's what it, it, it was. What it was. Why would you put the onus on the smallest guys on the field? Because you want to be aggressive on the run game. So, so the way, okay, so corner at playing cover two corner is like this. You was lined up inside. 
but you was looking in the backfield. So if you thought it was run, you could take off right now. It ain't no reason steps, nothing. Take off and set the edge right now because that means that you set the edge. They can't get outside of you. They cut it back and all your linebackers and D-line is right there. But if it's a regular cover two, obviously you you press you press the guy up and you you hinge back and then you come up late. But with G Dub, you off you inside and you pretty much looking at the backfield. And as soon as you rerun, you got the right to just trigger because you cover because the safety got your back if you if you wrong. Man. That's the way they looked at it. Yeah, I guess I would rather have my. I don't know how we got on G. I don't even know how we got on G Dub. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I was watching. Uh, I was in a, one of one of these uh, Instagram spirals again yesterday. Of course, of reels the rabbit hole and one. One of them, I love watching these videos from Travis and Jason Kelsey. They, they have some They're awesome. hilarious oh, yeah. stuff. Uh, one of them was talking about how often they, they use soap and shampoo, whatever. But this one time they were actually talking about football. And Jason, I was surprised. Jason Kelsey said, he, he said, including quarterback. He said cornerback is the hardest <laughs> position in football. It is. Because yeah, you do everything backwards. Yeah. It is. And just that you can't, you lose the guy for a second, you're done. Yeah, yeah. There's you. You gonna get beat? All right. You wouldn't think a, an offensive lineman would say. I got one more play to break down. Yeah. yeah oh, speaking, yeah, yeah, speaking yeah. of getting beat, we yeah. talked about two very impressive plays. Right Hickman. on. Right. There you go. <laughs> this was a great transition. He was not a flawless game from the Ohio State rookie. And Tyvis, you can break down this. We have both angles: the all twenty-two and the broadcast angle. We'll start with the broadcast angle, but this is Ronnie Hickman trying to guard Jahan Dotson. Yeah. So this is the thing that gets me about. You know, Jim Schwartz's defense, our safeties. That was that double play <laughs> listen, a couple weeks ago. Listen, so the, the thing about our safeties is you have to be able to check. At, at times, you're going to have to be able to check receivers as well. Usually, in NFL defenses, safeties are protected because they're checking tight ends. But in Jim Schwartz's defense, as you know, Malcolm Jenkins had times where he lined up on wide receivers. So for this particular route right here, why did this play go bad? Because... They came out there in man-to-man. So when they run man-to-man, how they run it, and how typically a lot of people run their one coverage, their cover one is that you play off outside leverage. You, you play on the outside shoulder, so if he runs an out route, you should be all over. If he runs a corner route, you should be all over. Well, in this particular route, Jahan Dotson does a great job of selling that over route. And what happened is Ronnie Hickman understands the, the speed that Jahan Dotson got. You see how right then off the snap, he didn't even take no read steps or nothing. Jahan Dotson was on him immediately. So what does that mean is now I need to get on my horse because if he runs this over route, I ain't going to be able to get there. So Ronnie Hickman in his mind is thinking I need to cut this over route over. He didn't play it. He didn't play it the way he should have played it. If he would have just stayed on the outside pad. Even if Jahan Dotson beat him on over route, it's a post safety right there on the post route, and it's a whole player linebacker right there. So you got inside help. They tell you that you have no help, but you can see that linebacker backing up right there. Yep. Boom. So you got the inside help. Tell at least he's not going to cut the route, but he's going to buy that time. So the quarterback's going to look, hold the ball for a second because I can't throw yeah. the whole shot. So it'll buy you time to catch up. So on this play, Ronnie Hickman just get caught guessing yeah. on the route. Jahan Dotson does a great job breaking that thing back out on the out slash seven cut. They yeah. got to do a way better job of tackling because DeAnthony Bell and Ronnie Hickman does a horrible yeah. job tackling right here. If at the worst, 
I don't care if you get it down on the one yard line. You defend every blade of grass because you never know yeah, what happens the on the one yard line. It's been right. so many times people have had a goal line stand, which would have been huge. It would have been a nail in the coffin for the Washington commander. So he, they got to do a better job of getting them down. Well, we saw the Browns unable to score inside the five on exactly. their first drive. Exactly. So you, you defend never know. every you, blade of grass. Yeah. I don't care. what You always give your defense a chance to come out and play defense. And, and I think your point is on that play – Right, better better to lose them in the middle than on exactly, the outside. Exactly, because you got help. All yeah. your help. They tell you in cover one that right. you have no help. That's a lie. In yeah. cover one, you have help. You have a post safety and a hook player. All right. If, and cover zero, you on your own. Excellent analysis from Tyvis there. I. Uh, by the way, what are your thoughts on touchdown and sack celebrations from veteran players in the preseason? Are we okay with that? Do you think, Woody? Yeah. Why All right. Why is the thing that when you playing, you, you got to be in the whole atmosphere to pass. So you're just in the moment. Yeah. You're not thinking it's a preseason no, game. It no. Because it's all. I it's a really young guy. Well, you got to think about this, especially on a sack. It's a yeah. relief for a sack because you go in all these practices, you can't yeah, touch yeah. the quarterback. Well, that's true. You're getting double team. You can't get home. They three stepping yeah. you. Ball coming out quick, and you finally get that sack. Man, it's a par trois. Yes. Mikey <laughs> McNuggets. Tyvis, you're not here tomorrow, so I want to ask this to you. Bowl and G will talk about this tomorrow, so just let Tyvis go. But Okay. Hickman had a breakout performance against Washington. What do you want to see from him tomorrow night as in that next progression that he needs to take to <coughs> this 53-man roster? You talking about Ronnie Hickman? Yes, correct. Well, I think I just he just needs to continue to be where he needs to be, you know? So, like how I was saying on them post routes, he was caught just a tad bit short, and, he, and it was his, his playmaking ability that kind of saved him. Well, now they pointed that out. If, we, if, they, if a good coach has gotten him and did a film session with him, they're going to tell him, why did you be? Why were you even enticed by this guy sitting down? Like he, you see these linebackers right here, just continue to back up. So for him to take that next step, it's about just continuously showing that you understand the playbook, you understand where you fit in the defensive scheme. Because these coaches have to be able to trust you when they. If if Juan Thornhill goes down and and you're the next guy in line, it probably be Roddy McLeod. But anyways, let's say you're the next guy in line. Right. That coach's job is on the line. His he's his name is stamped to you. So if you don't perform, they're not going to say the player's not good. They're going to say, why wasn't your guy ready to play? Why didn't you have this kid coached up to play? We kept him on the 53-man roster because you said that this guy could help us in the fall. So if he didn't get it done, it's on you. So now you're playing with a coach's job. So for him, he needs to take that next step of making sure that he understands exactly where he needs to be. Alignment and assignment sound for the next two games. And like I say, if he makes some plays on special teams, that right there solidifies it. If I was him, I'd go to Bubba Ventron and tell him, you know what? <laughs> special teams is the most underappreciated thing in the game of football. They don't understand the magnitude that we have that we could change the whole outcome of a game. What can I do to help this team win games in the fall? Yeah. If he has that conversation right there, Bubba Ventrone to take it back to Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and say, you know what? This guy gets it. This guy wants to play for us. This guy yeah. wants to help us win games in the fall so much that he doesn't even care about what's going on defense. He wants to make an impact on special teams. He's truly invested in this organization. They'll keep a guy like that. Yeah. It's all about playing the did game. Did you ever say that? I sure did. Now you think I made the That's, <laughs> right. Man, That's right. That's where you got it from. <laughs> it's right here in this paper. Did you see who wrote that down? <laughs> Mikey McNuggets.
All right, one last fast read before we get to our last two topics of the day. But tonight, the next edition of the Behind the Glass podcast airs around 7 o'clock. Myself, Anthony Earl, previewing tomorrow's preseason game between the Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles. What we expect from DTR, Dewan Jones, Cade York, and some others. Make sure you guys tap in tonight around 7 o'clock. We will be doing it a little different this time, but I promise you guys yeah. will enjoy it. Couple, couple of quickies before we get to the – Third, top 32. Tyvis, do we want to discuss why you and I for a minute giggled during Dave Richards' interview, or should we do that off the air? No, we can talk about it. <laughs> I missed it, so please enlighten me. <laughs> we can talk about it. Do you want to? Or you go, want ahead. To? go ahead. <laughs> Gene, do you know why we were laughing? Go ahead. I was looking at you. I missed that one. Had nothing to do with Dave. <laughs> it's because Jay, 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 G bit his fingernails and spit it out. <laughs> and he spit out and then I just had, we both heard, heard it. And I looked at Simon and I looked at each other. And then we started laughing. <laughs> and I was like, and then I was looking like, what are they laughing at? <laughs> that wasn't even laughable. Like, I was like, what happened right no, there? because it was just wild that it just wiped past our face like that. Like, I look at Simon. It's not for G, guys. Let the man bite his fingernails I know, it was, it was funny. <laughs> it was a good one, too. It was one of, Trust me, we know. It was, it was one I've been trying to get for a while, too, bro. I'm like, man, I don't want to. Like, it's the one of them long ones. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Let me savor this. Back in the day, I used yeah. to think when people used to spit sunflower seeds out, I yeah. used to think those were nails. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I'm like, dang, these I dudes' mean, nails guess, is crazy. Yeah. Depending uh, on how you crack it. The second, though, because Tyvis wasn't here for this. So last Friday, we did this draft mm-hmm. where we drafted like team names of sports of sports teams to make the best force to fight aliens. Right, right, right. right. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> It was crazy. It was a dope one. But what we need to do, and I think Tyvis Ty has to be there when we do this. The college is, version. No, no, no. Forget the college version. Is sports media personalities in Northeast Ohio. Okay. Like draft a, a team of sports media personalities okay. to be your team. More, not fighting aliens, more like if there was a, a, a fight between these four teams, which team would you want? You know what I mean? Oh. I think Tyvis would have fun with that too. I, I know I would love to do that. Yeah. We will do that. We we'll have Tyvis involved. Tyvis, hold your thoughts on that until we uh, yeah. figure out. <laughs> anyway, who's that's coming up at some point. And who's for... ineligible? But we yeah. do have to get to this right now, and that is the continuation of our thirty-two and thirty-two series. And we're at the halfway point, number sixteen, and that is a guy who has been appreciated at Technically, times. Technically, the halfway point is between sixteen and seventeen, but all right. well, we, we didn't use his full name because it's too long. So number sixteen is JOK. The abbreviated version, sixteen and a half. The full name is sixteen. So this is exactly the halfway point. And Bull, yes. he's the highest linebacker on the Browns on this list. Yeah. The three of us were in consensus that he is the most important linebacker on this roster. Yeah. You've disagreed with a lot of our choices and, and selections of this. You agreed with our two yesterday. Yeah. Is JOK at 16 appropriately ranked, too high, too low, or just right? Who is the best linebacker, former linebacker, that we all know? DeQuayle Jackson. Demario Davis. What did the we don't know Demario Davis personally? I do. Oh, oh, we know personally. But, but by the way, I used Demario Davis today in in the Browns uh, immaculate, grid. immaculate grid, or maybe it was yesterday. I can't remember now. But um, Dequell is the best one we know. What does Dequell think of of 
They should, okay, okay. they should cut him. Uh, they yeah, should get him cut him. Get him, get him, get him. <laughs> I can't they believe cut him. I now, can't believe he now, said now, that. Now, the views of DeQuell Jackson is out of has pocket. not been updated since we've talked well, to him but, last. Okay, see, now he works for the Browns a little bit, or might, so he can't be as honest. <laughs> Certainly can be as honest. He can be honest, per, you know, when he's talking to people behind the scenes. But DeQuell Jackson, arguably the Browns' best linebacker since they have returned in 99. Is it, I don't even know if it's arguable. Is there anybody better? Anybody um, in the conversation? Demario Davis is the closest. But he, he wasn't better in Cleveland. One year. Yeah, he wasn't better. He's the best one who played in Cleveland. What about Jamil, Jamil Miller? I mean, if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I think, I think for, for, the, for the sake of it, it, argument, the is there. And he was stuck with all these <laughs> shitty teams around. Yeah, he was. Right? He was if he'd been on a better team, forget about it. So, DeQuell knows that position better than anybody else that we know. <laughs> he out of pocket. He man. said the guy can't play. That's not that he he was out of pocket. And and and, okay. and, and I was and out I, of pocket. I circled that. back, bull. I circled back. That's what make, That's what make it even funnier. I spun, the, I spun yeah. the block. Is that he doubled down though? I what he said. the block. That's he right. said no, no, no. No, he's out. He doubled now, down on it. Now all of a sudden. After killing all of us, killing JOK. No, not all. Not all of us. Most of us. Killing the guy saying he can't play. The guy who knows linebackers better than anybody said the guy (laughs) cannot play. We have all of a sudden now pretended last year didn't exist and that JOK is a legitimate player because he made a tackle in a preseason game. Hey, whoa, that wasn't on the ordinary tackle. Yeah. When a linebacker come through on a on a on a, a screenplay and they clap the ankles and get up faster than the guy on the he ground, he that's great play. Watch this play. Ole, look, Ole the line, hush, get well, under there, hush. Well, you clap well, that's, that's a great, that's hey, a hey, great hey, play. Hey, the first, the the the, the uh, run that back. The fact that that man ran around the block, get off me, don't touch look. my body. Hush. Ankle clap. I'm already up into my dance. You see that turn? I'm already in my dance. That is a great A Madden play, so, and it makes him look like he's an 89 overall in okay. the game. So we've ignored everything Oosh, Quell Oosh, said. Oosh, we've ignored Oosh, everything Oosh, down the field last year. That boy meant that corner. You know, you know how uh, G, G and, and Earl uh, mostly have made the point of saying, Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.